When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What up, y'all? We are back with another edition of the DNVR Draft Podcast. I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Jake Schwanitz, and we're talking about the AFC South. We've been off, I guess. Uh, Not really off. We've just been busy doing other things for the last couple of weeks. It's been very chaotic around these parts with just the Denver Nuggets and recruiting news and everything else going on. How you doing, man? It's been a while since I've seen your gorgeous face. Oh man, I'm you too, bud. Uh, it's been pretty awesome though. Just following this Nuggets run, been a hell of a week. Been busy though. I tell you what, as you said, it just never slows down. We got big recruits uh, decisions coming down tomorrow for CU. Never ends. Never ends, man. Uh, well, we're gonna jump, like I said, into the AFC South today. We'll actually have two episodes this week. Not gonna tease the second episode yet because that is still TBD. But uh, we're gonna start with the Houston Texans landed both CJ Stroud and Will Anderson in the first round. What are your thoughts on Houston, uh, the trade, all of it? Um, I mean, the trade was a little unconventional. It was entertaining, especially in the moment. Um, and you come away with some two, two blue chip uh, prospects in this draft. Um, I should say, I guess the theme of this division is really just kind of building around the quarterback. Um, we're going to talk about that, obviously, with Houston and Indianapolis. Well, Jackson has kind of laid the blueprint and then we'll discuss what the hell Tennessee is doing. But um, I, they get CJ Stroud, you get your quarterback, you get your kind of defensive cornerstone in Will Anderson. Um, This team is just so far off still. I think though, you got rid of Brandon cooks. So this receiving core is a lot of young guys with Robert Woods. Now, basically Uh, you have Noah Brown from the Cowboys there too. Offensive line, I'm not too upset with. You did draft Juice Scruggs from the center from Penn State at 62 overall. And then Tank Dell at 69. Um, a fun player to watch. I think there's some mixed opinions. I, I've kind of taken a liking to him more as I've watched more Houston. Um, you know, Colorado got um, Alton McCaskill, Houston's running back. So I watched a lot of Houston recently. And I'm coming around on Tank Dell. Um, Dylan Horton, the edge out of TCU, was a transfer, I believe, from New Mexico. Is that right? from yep. uh, UNM. Um, he played really well for them. I like that value pick at 109. Tua Tua, uh, the linebacker out of Alabama, also at 167. Then you get another nice center. Actually, you know, going through it right there, I'm actually not upset with this draft. It's pretty solid. I think there's some pieces, to, you know, to really lay the foundation. It's just a matter of how good is D'Amico Ryans uh, and his staff this year? How good is CJ Strout as a rookie? All that TBD, we'll find out in just a few short months. But I'm not upset with this. I think it was a pretty good haul overall. I mean, landing CJ Stroud and Will Anderson, arguably two of the top three or four prospects, depending on how you had the board. I'd I'd say at the very minimum, you would say they came away with two of the top five. It's just a lot. It's a lot of draft compensation. You're giving up 12, number 33, as well as your 2024 first rounder to come back up and get him. If it hits, it hits. It's just, it's a lot of capital for a team that seemingly is is still pretty far away from competing. Yeah, it's, 
It is. It's a lot of capital, but at the same time, I think you look at it as these guys drafted them in the top three to change your the trajectory of your franchise, basically. But one on offense, one on defense at two of the most important positions, passer and pass rusher. So, yeah, it's kind of a risk uh, trading that pick away to Arizona, and they're obviously loaded uh, going into this next year's draft. But if these guys hit, I mean, if you get some flashes from them and they look like, you know, as advertised in year one as rookies, I think you feel pretty good and you're actually okay with losing that first rounder next year, even if you're still picking in the top 10. Because the point of, you know, drafting in the top five, top three is to get franchise cornerstones. So if you did that and you just have to wait one more year without that first round pick, I think they'll be on a nice track. It's interesting to see where the narrative has gone on Will Anderson over the last year and a half, because I do think he's a guy that definitely we suffered from uh, prospect fatigue from. But also, I mean, I, I just thought it was interesting to see like the some of the scouts and, and draft people last year saying that he would have been their number one prospect last year. And then this year, it kind of seems like people started trying to like poke holes in him. Just, you know, oh, he's not he doesn't have the physical characteristics of Aiden Hutchinson or, you know, a Bosa or some of these other guys. And that that may be true. I don't know if he's going to overwhelm you with brute strength the way that those guys can. But I mean, this is a dude that's done nothing but produce now for multiple seasons in the SEC. To me, I I would be shocked if Will Anderson isn't at the very minimum a very, very, you know, competent starter. And I think he's going to be, you know, like a borderline star even in the league. Absolutely. I mean, he's, I think, the guy leading my candidates for defensive player or defensive rookie of the year coming into this season. Um, you mentioned kind of down on production last year, but I mean, go back to 2021, man, 17 and a half sacks, 31 tackles for a loss with over a hundred total tackles. I mean, the guy absolutely produced. It was a little bit down last year. Those numbers in 21 were just so astronomical that 10 sacks and 17 tackles for a loss doesn't look that impressive. It's just crazy. Just and that's while being talent. doubled consistently and the other team scheming everything to go away from him. There were entire drives where you would see opposing teams not run anything near Will Anderson. Oh yeah. yeah. They were definitely scheming him up. And that was a lot of, uh, I guess the dip in production. That's the factor of it. In terms of what about the other Bama guy they landed Henry Tutu, just curious before we get into the, some of this other stuff. Yeah. I mean, he was a guy I liked um, a few years ago. Um, Let me pull up his stats while we're talking about him. And he kind of, you know, fell off the radar, I guess a little bit. just, He's a little small, too, know. for the NFL. Yeah, I mean, 6'2", 225, had a solid season in 21, over 100 total tackles, four sacks, seven and a half tackles for a loss. I mean, this year, 94 total tackles, eight sacks for a loss, or eight tackles for a loss and two and a half sacks. Bama's defense just wasn't as good this year. I, we talked about that a bunch, um, and I don't think it was necessarily his fault. Uh, they just didn't really have the, the guys up front, or they do have the guys up front. They were just younger, obviously, and the secondary is really young, too. Just a transition year. Um, but in terms of uh, premium positions, I think Houston did really well. You obviously get quarterback edge with your first two picks, get a wide receiver, you get another edge in Dylan Horton, um, another wide receiver in Xavier Hutchinson in the sixth round from Iowa State. He was a guy who produced a lot for the Cyclones over the last few years. And I mean, we'll see exactly how he fits in. But I think they did pretty well, uh, you know, regarding all those benchmarks, really. What would you give it as far as letter grade goes? I mean, you do land two of the top prospects. We already discussed the compensation, but 
I mean, it, it's somewhat fair. I don't think they necessarily got like a raw deal. The, the reaction live was a little surprising to me how negative a lot of people were on Houston for doing it. I understand the skepticism just because as I alluded to, you know, it is a lot of a lot of future compensation, but I don't know. I think it's I think it's what you got to do if you got a team that's irrelevant and talentless. Just make it interesting. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. New coach, everything. So I think honestly go like A minus. I mean, I've got a little bit of uh, you know, reservations over the draft compensation. I mean, it's a bit of a risk. I think you did pretty well in premium positions. You came away with guys who were absolute players in college football. We'll see if they can make the transition. Uh, like the late round picks. Really not much to complain about here. Just how does this team really look in year one under the new regime? Any other themes we should hit on with Houston? I mean, Stroud is obviously the future. You're banking on him being your franchise guy. I mean, that's kind of it, I guess. It's kind of early in the process. But I mean, it it looks like the point was like, we're just trying to get as much talent this year as possible. Yeah, and I mean, looking at the roster, it's it's definitely improved. I think they got better this offseason for sure. You got Shaq Mason on the offensive line, joining Kenyon Green, who was your first-round pick last year. Uh, Titus Howard was a first-round tackle. Laramie Tunsil was a first-round tackle. And then you've got competition at center now uh, between Scruggs. you got uh, Scott Quisenberry coming in from the Chargers now as well. So you've got some competition on the offensive line. I like it. Wide receivers, they're just really green, really young. Um, Robert Woods is, I guess, your number one. And then after that, it's just a bunch of rookies and young guys. I mean, John Mechie's coming back, hopefully. Um, so to see him have an impact would be nice. I think they're setting up CJ for some success, though. I mean, I love Damian Pierce in the backfield. Offensively, I really can't complain. It's the defense that uh, we'll see how that goes. Do you believe that CJ Stroud can succeed in Houston? And that's a loaded question, I know. There's so many things that go into that, but historically that's not a franchise that has been kind to quarterbacks Deshaun Watson is kind of the outlier. And what made him so he was obviously when he joined and like took the field as a starter for the first time, he was obviously an impact player from the get go and was seen as one of those like top five ish quarterbacks around that time when he was actually doing things in Houston. Um, It's tough, man. Um, It's just so much inexperience and youth on this team. Uh, with CJ Stroud, I mean, I know he played a lot in college, but we were we had some concerns about him. I mean, this wasn't like a slam dunk second overall guy. I mean, yeah, he was the top two prospects with him and Bryce Young at quarterback, but um, we had our doubts up until that Georgia game in the playoff last year. So it's really if he can kind of keep that up, scramble, you know, move the pocket, make plays with his legs and be more of an athlete rather than just sitting back and trying to dissect everyone from the pocket. Cause those windows are going to be a lot, lot smaller in the NFL. I'm right there with you. I will just for the, the sake of transparency, admit that I have already taken Houston Texans under five and a half wins total on DraftKings. Got that at plus money. We'll see. It's a bad division, but I, I could see it happening just because it, I am excited about some of these guys coming in. It just, it feels like we're still, two, three years down the line from them being a real, you know, like competitive, maybe a wild card type team. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jenga piece. I'm thinking Laramie Tunsil um, for the young quarterback. Um, You know, you got Damian Pierce in the backfield. He's obviously their best offensive lineman at left tackle too. 
Um, Derek Stingley, maybe another candidate. Uh, I don't know who else. I mean, we could throw out Will Anderson as well, too. I think it's got to be Tunsil. Just you got a rookie quarterback. You don't want a David Carr situation where he's just getting blasted from the blind side and all of a sudden he's, you know, feeling shadows and it impacts his career. If if this goes wrong right away, I mean, it, it could be a bad situation. I do think if if Houston is better than I'm giving them credit for, like let's say, you know, they clear that five win total and, you know, maybe six, seven, eight games somewhere in that range flirt with 500. I think that's probably their ceiling max, but right. it'd probably be Stingley in that situation because that means the defense has at least taken somewhat of a step up. I mean, as you mentioned, they're, they're a mess. They've, they've got some promising young pieces, but it's just you're, you're banking on that deep taking a pretty drastic leap. I mean, they brought in uh, Desmond King at cornerback. Um, they've got Jimmy Ward and Jalen Petrie at safety. Steven Nelson is in a great number two across from Derek Stingley. Um, yeah, I mean, linebacking core is young, but I do like it. It's just, it's in the trenches, man. Uh, not really a fan of what how deep they're going here and the talent at the top outside of Will Anderson, really. And you're in a division that can run the football. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's what's going to be interesting for me. All right, Houston, we're both with them. Jake gave him an A minus. I don't think I actually gave an official grade. I'm right there with them. I B plus, A minus ish. I think you could gripe a little bit about what they gave up to to go back at to three, but at the end of the day, if Anderson hits, you would do that trade in a heartbeat. Yep, one hundred percent. Do the Broncos play the Texans this year? Um, I. Don't think so. We played them last year, and I don't think we finished in the same spots in the division, right? Denver didn't finish last, did they? They finished third, right? I thought they finished last. I don't know, man. I was just trying to think because um, if you could, the best place to get those tickets, obviously, would be with our friends over at Game Time. That's correct. Head on over to Game Time, the hottest new ticketing site out there. Best place to find last-minute ticket deals. Um, it's Rocky season now, in full swing. You can get some great deals on tickets there. It's all concert season. Uh, make sure you use game time for all of that good stuff this summer. Snag the tickets without the stress using game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use the code DMVR. You'll get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code uh, DMVR for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. If you are heading over to Coors Field at this stage, well, I guess not lately. The sun has not been shining lately, but typically no. Colorado summer, you're going to ne- need to take on the sun with gear that's built to last. And our friends at Shady Rays have you covered for that looming warm weather ahead. It, it's coming. We all know it's coming. With the premium polarized shades at an affordable price, Shady Rays, of course, an independent sunglasses company that offers a world-class product that's just as good as any expensive pair we've worn. Durable frames, extremely clear optics for outdoor adventures. What's epic about Shady Rays, though, every single pair backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even day one, you're going to get sent a new pair. No questions asked. If you don't love your Shady Rays, you can exchange for a new pair or return them free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop with them. And if you want to check it out in person, head over to the Park Meadows Mall for a full stop shop with all things Shady Rays. Exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays giving out the best deal of the season. Go to ShadyRays.com. Use the code DNVR for 50% off two or more pairs of polarized sunglasses. 
Try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Week 13, Justin. Broncos at Houston Texans. Um, probably one of the better home games, I guess, in terms of, of cost to go to this season. It Broncos at Houston or Houston at Denver? Broncos at Houston. NRG Stadium. That's a pretty affordable trip. What I'm saying, not too far. Houston's dope. Use game time. Use game time, baby. Check it out. Um, who do you want to get into next? Indianapolis. Let's do it, man. Um, one of the most fun draft picks of this uh, entire draft class, I think. Here. Yeah, I mean, they they went all in. Anthony Richardson at number four. I don't. It, he's got to play right away, right? I think so. It's him, Sam Ellinger, Gardner Minshew. <laughs> Take your pick. I could rock with Gardner for eight weeks. I think that's what would be best for Anthony Richardson. I mean, we talked about it a lot. Just his ceiling in terms of the raw traits is the best quarterback in this class. If he pops, he could very much be a freak because there is nothing athletically that this guy can't do. He's got a rocket arm. He moves well. He's agile. He also has probably shown the least, at least in terms of consistency. He's got a ton of experience to be gained down the line. I mean, he's played very little football. I don't know. It just, this is either going to be a massive success for the Colts and they're going to be, you know, praised like Buffalo was. But Josh Allen was significantly more experienced at that stage compared to where A. Rich is at right now. I think that's a natural comp um, just in terms of recency and just how these guys project in terms of tools and traits. So um, yeah, it's Josh had way more like highlight level plays, like popping off the screen. He, of course he was playing at a lower level of competition um, than Anthony Richardson was. I still don't think that Anthony Richardson is as big of a project as some people may say. I mean, you look at the numbers and it suggests that it's, it could be rough in year one, only 53% completion last year, uh, 7.8 yards per attempt, only 17 touchdowns to nine interceptions. Florida was kind of just a mess, though, and Florida's really down right now in terms of recruiting and everything else. So I don't want to be too harsh, but there's definitely things he needs to work on. Outside of him, though, I love Julius Brents. Um, he went at 44th to them. He was one of my favorite players in the draft. Josh Downs, I loved him. Blake Freeland was Dre's guy. I know he really liked him. I think everyone here liked uh, Adi Adebawari out of uh, Northwestern, the def uh, defensive tackle. Darius Rush out of uh, South Carolina as well in the fifth round at 138. And then they had a ton of uh, day three picks after that. I think it's a solid class. You didn't have to trade up or move around to get your quarterback. Everyone was saying, you know, Levis for them, blah, blah, blah. Anthony Richardson falls right into their laps. They don't have to move up or down the draft table at all. Um I like the coaching staff that you're getting here. Uh, Shane Steichen at head coach. You got Jim Bob Cooter at offensive coordinator. Gus, Gus Bradley at DC. I mean, this is a very experienced coaching staff. So we'll see how much they're able to get out of Anthony Richardson. Um, a lot of players in this draft class. I like it, though. Maybe not as much as Houston, but I think it's a solid class. I think I actually like this class in terms of grade a little bit more. I like some of the players that Houston came away with. I would give this an A because they didn't have to move up to get Anthony Richardson. They got to stand Pat. You land him great value. And then after that, 
as you mentioned, Julius Brents to get him at 44, Blake Freeland at 106. And then um, I can't pronounce the Northwestern DT. Help me out. Uh, Addy Edibawari. Him at 110. I mean, that's that's phenomenal value at great positions. So I, I just think this was a, a really well-executed draft class for a team that really desperately needed an infusion and in talent. And a lot of these guys, I think, are going to be able to make an immediate impact. Whether A-Rich hits the ground running, that's to be determined. Brents, that's a guy that can contribute day one. Blake Freeland, he's I would have been comfortable with Blake Freeland in the second round. So to get him at 106, mm-hmm. that's awesome. Yeah, in terms of positional value, I think they killed it too. I mean, you go quarterback, corner, wide receiver, tackle with your first four picks. That's those are the premium positions in the NFL. And then Pass you catcher, get a, and then you go DT, go get another corner, safety. I mean, yep. yeah, they just played this perfectly. Played it really well. Um, so I thought it was a great draft by Baller and the guys. Um, looking at this team, we'll see. I mean, they. I feel like we've talked about this team a lot the last three, four years. Like, well, you know, the Colts, if they could just figure out the quarterback, you know, they're going to be in a position. And it reminds me of the Broncos. Because how long did we say that about them? And then all of a sudden they get the quarterback and it's like, well, window actually might have kind of passed. You're kind of rebuilding at this point. Um, I like the offensive line, the receivers. I do like what you have in Alec Pierce and um, Michael Pittman Jr. I almost said MPJ. <laughs> Um, Josh Downs is there now. And then Isaiah McKinnon comes over from the bills. Can't complain there. Um, I think break, uh, Blake Freeland in that selection may have put Bernard Ryman on notice. They drafted him in the third round last year. Um, I know Dre, I think liked him. I wasn't as big a fan. Now we got Blake Freeland in the mix. You got Jonathan Taylor, of course, kind of battled injuries last year. So you have one of the best backs in the NFL. It's all set up around Anthony Richardson to succeed, really. It's just a matter of him taking the reins and kind of taking off with it. You know they're going to be able to run the football, assuming you know mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor stays healthy. Is he your Jenga piece, just given that you do have this rookie quarterback? Because I do think you have to be able to lean on him, especially early. Him or Shaq Leonard still, right? I mean... He's still one of the best linebackers in the league, but um, I think given the fact that you have this rookie quarterback and how important his success and development was going to be to this franchise, I can't argue against Jonathan Taylor. If I just real quick, I'm curious if I had to say like knife to your back out of all of the teams minus Jacksonville, because I think Jacksonville is the clear favorite. Mm Mm-hmm. Who's the best team in terms of poised to compete right now? Tennessee, Indy, or Houston? And we're about to go into Tennessee, I know. Yeah, well, we'll get to Tennessee at the end. And um, I, you know, at least there's a direction here with Indianapolis. There's a direction here with Houston. I know that might not mean much in terms of actual wins this next year. But when we get to Tennessee, man, I mean, it's, they're literally like Spider-Man holding the train back, trying to keep this roster together and stay in that championship window, it seems. Does your gut say that Richardson starts week one, or do they ease into it, given that they do have Minshew, a guy who you could probably win eight, nine, ten games with, especially in a weak division? Yeah, I mean, the plan we've talked about the plans to run the football, right? So um, I think, you know, four to six, maybe eight weeks, give Gardner a chance just to settle the team in. And then just see how Richardson comes along throughout practice and camp. And then um, fight or flight at that point, man. Let's see if he makes it. Gardner Minshew, man. Poor guy can't catch a break. Everywhere he goes, they just bring in another quarterback immediately. 
Gets another shot, though. That's all we can ask for. He should just be a hitman for hire at this point. Like, whatever team's quarterback gets injured midway through the year, you just bring in Gardner Minshew, and he plays the rest of the year for you. The all-time quarterback, just like Uncle Rico. It's fitting, right? Just like Uncle Rico, baby. (laughs) Well, let's talk about the Jaguars, because I think they are definitely the most competitive team in this division. Obviously, if Trevor Lawrence can build off what he showed down the stretch, you know, he's really going to end up being the guy we thought. They've got a ton of talent defensively. It's a lot of young guys, but that front seven, especially, they've got a ton of pieces to like. And now they go out and they get Oklahoma tackle Anton Harrison in the first round. Great value at 27. I was surprised he was still there. You end up getting... Penn State tight end Brenton Strange at 61. Not as crazy about him. I do like Tank Bigsby, the Auburn running back in the third, though. So you came back and, and kind of responded well. Where are you at with this draft class? Where are you at with the direction of this franchise? It feels like they've got it going with Doug Peterson. Yeah, man. Um, you know, last year when they were going through this you know, hiring process for their new head coach, Doug Peterson immediately stuck out to me as the guy who could get Trevor Lawrence on track and being who we thought he would be coming into the league and just get this roster on the winning uh, track. And I'm, I mean, you get Calvin Ridley now this year, man. Um, it's it's going to be a fun team. I, I can't wait to watch them. Of course, Travis Etienne was fantastic last year as well. Trevor kind of made the leap. Um, you know, really all that's left for him is to kind of take the leap and may, and become the best quarterback in the NFL. He's already projected to be top five, top 10, and very worst um, at this point. You mentioned the defense. Um, I do think they're a little weak in the secondary, but I do love this front seven. Lots of guys, lots of pedigree in here. Um, Even with that fourth-round pick, Ventrell Miller, the linebacker out of Florida, that's a guy who made a lot of plays the last two or three seasons for the Gators. Um, And, you know, you get him in the fourth round. I'm not mad at that at all. In terms of uh, positional value, eh. Okay. Okay. You got to tackle first. Harrison is great, but then going tight end running back in the second, third is is debatable for a team that, you know, they're they're borderline like they should be wanting to push into that AFC title type mix at this point. Well, tight end running back and linebacker like they completely threw positional value out the window there after you take offensive tackle. But there, this this was a good roster. Like I think this is a good team. Like. You don't really need to, I think, I mean, of course you would like to add, you know, onto your strengths and stuff like that. And I think they did. They took Tyler Lacey in the fourth round as well, defensive end. I guess Um, factoring Ridley into the conversation is something you should think about because that's a huge offseason addition for that receiving core. That would have been my one gripe. I would have liked to have seen them get another pass catcher, but you did it via free agency. So I guess I'm kind of nitpicking for no reason. I mean, I get though. I, I do like Parker Washington, their six-round pick out of Penn State. He made some plays. He was kind of the Robin to Jahan Dotson's Batman a few years ago. Um, it's an okay draft. I mean, they're just in the position that it's really just building off what you had last year, hoping that this offensive line can keep Trevor Lawrence upright, hoping that they can open up holes for ETN to just blast through, um, and then just scoring points, You know, letting that defense play with the lead. And then I think you've got a really solid team here that can be hard to beat. For the uh, local football fans out there, the Jags too, got a couple of Colorado kids and Andrew Wingard and Chad Muma. A um, couple of guys that probably should have been playing at CSU or CU, quite frankly, and got up to Laramie instead. Good for them. Dope to see them succeeding. 
Um, I'm rooting for the Jags, man, especially just post Urban Meyer and that whole disaster. I feel like CSU and and the Jags were both living in this like um, post trauma Meyer experience. Like, have you been wronged by Urban Meyer? Call nine one one. You know that's that's where well, we're Mac at. Is a shaker. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm about to call back. Is I want a full on investigation. What happened? Somebody give me some answers. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm excited about the Jags, man. Who's the uh, who's the Jenga piece? Man, um, this one's fun. There, I feel like there's a lot of ways to go here. I'll throw out uh, Calvin Ridley as one. I'll throw out ETN as another. Um, and then on the defensive line, I mean, Trevon Walker, the number one overall pick last year, really looked like he was coming on. He's in line for a great leap. Josh Allen's been doing stuff for them. I do think I have to go Calvin Ridley, though. You kind of laid it out perfectly, just adding that your number one pass catcher. Yeah, I think it's Ridley. Assuming that he comes back and is at least comparable to his Atlanta form, that's a significant upgrade with what he's been working with. He's been healthy. Remember, he was just suspended. So um, if he's been working out, been you know training, I'd, I expect him to be the Calvin Ridley we last saw on the field. I do too, man. He's a stud. I mean, going back to Bama, he's done nothing but produce. I'm going to definitely be kicking back, watching some NFL this year. Probably with a Mountain Beach Sour in hand, probably with Jake right oh. there next to me, also yes, drinking sir. a Mountain Beach Sour, his third or fourth of the day. Jake <laughs> drinks Mountain Beach Sour like it's Gatorade. He just puts it down. <laughs> I love it. But that's I don't blame him. It's that good, and it's because Breck, they've been doing it for 32 years. It all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer, made with 100% renewable energy. You got to love that. Also made with the highest of quality ingredients. Again, it has not exactly been the summer, the sunniest summer. That's kind of a, a tough one, but that sun is coming. And when it does, you're going to want a mountain beach because it's just perfect. It's crisp. It's tart. It's a little sweet, but not too sweet. You don't want it to get overwhelmed when you're drinking a beer. Whatever you're into, though, check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. Boom. You know who's going to need a Breck Brew? Mike Vrabel. Because this Titans team, what are we, what like Tannehill's still here? We're, we've drafted multiple guys. Like, what are we doing? I, it's a great question. And it's literally just holding on to the prime of Derrick Henry and hoping this guy can just carry you um, on another run. But this roster is nowhere near as good as it used to be when they were going to, you know, making deep title run uh, runs into the playoffs and just winning their division and stuff. Um, I mean, you get Skoronsky with your first pick. We all, we liked him going back to this time last year. We thought he was one of the best linemen in the country. Will Levis at 33rd overall. Um, they kind of maneuver the board and get up to the first pick of day two to get him. Like Tajay Spears out of Tulane. Uh, is that, that's the guy that fumbled or no, that's the UAB guy, isn't it? Or is it? No, that's uh, UAB guy. Yeah. Tulane Spears, okay. the dude that went off in the, the New Year's Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. Against USC. Um, after that, Josh Wiley out of tight end out of Cincinnati, Jalen Duncan out of Maryland. That's a nice value pick. Um, yeah, I don't hate the draft. It's just, it's a weird direction with this franchise. You take Malik Willis last year. Now you're seemingly giving up on that by bringing in, you know, Levis at this point could not be more stylistically different. So you can't (laughs) split those reps. That doesn't work. 
I, I do like Levis at 33 a hell of a lot more than I would have liked him at three or four, which is what he was being talked about all season. So, you know, I, I don't hate taking a chance on him in the second round. I'm not very high on him, but if that's, you know, if you're going to take him, that's where it should be. Spears is a stud, but he's got a lot of tread on his tires. Duncan in the six is great, though. That's great value. He probably should have gone like late third, fourth. It's, um, I mean, <laughs> they're already kind of casting off Malik Willis with that draft pick of Will Levis. Um, but you're but no better Justin, for Tannehill now. Like, it's just, they're in this weird spot of like, are we, are you trying to win now? Are you looking towards the future? Yes. Like, it seems like it, they're basically going banking on one more run with this Tannehill-Henry combo. And if that doesn't work, then you probably jump ship and then you hope that Levis works out in year two. You don't have to throw him in right away. That's probably all good for Levis, not having to start week one. But if I was a Titans fan... I it, I just would not feel great about the direction of the franchise right now. It feels like you had a window there where you were competitive and had an opportunity to capitalize with some wonky stuff happening in the AFC. But now with Baltimore and, and Cincinnati and Kansas City and the Chargers and shoot, hopefully Denver, all these other teams out there. I mean, you you're what a bottom bottom 10 percent of the AFC at this point. I'm, it's set up for disaster, man. I saw, so when DeAndre Hopkins is still out there and I saw a graphic, I can't remember who it was from, of putting him on the Titans and you look at it and it's Ryan Tannehill, Derek Henry, potentially DeAndre Hopkins. And then after that, it's Traylon Burks, who had a rough rookie season last year, Nick Westbrook, Akeen, um, like Kyle Phillips, who you just drafted in the fifth round out of Florida last year, Racy McMath, like these are the guys that you're going with at wide receiver right now. That's if you have Hopkins without him, that's what you got. How bad is that? This is, that is not a good wide receiver core in the year 2022. It wasn't good the last two years. I mean, even with AJ Brown, that's all they had was him. They tried to get Julio Jones in to kind of give them a one, two punch. He wasn't as advertised. It was just the AJ Brown show. Then you trade him away. And you hope Traylon Burks kind of gets into that role. He doesn't. Now you just have a disaster here on offense. I will say the offensive line is pretty solid. But, but. And I, I do think Vrabel's a good coach. Like he's one of those guys that I just, they always feel tough. Even with their lack of, of talent, they always feel tough. But I just think you're asking too much of this team to try and accomplish. I don't think you're going to be able to score enough points to keep up with these other offenses defensively, what do you bring to the table? Who are you stopping? It's just a weird, yeah. weird, weird spot. Who's your playmaker? Who's your go-to guy outside of Derrick Henry? I mean, if your plan is to give this guy 35 touches a game again. And there's not I, even a luck. debate about the Jenga. It's just, it's Henry. But like it outside is, yeah. of that, then to talk what about else it. is there? <laughs> right. I mean, I'll switch sides here. They do have some guys on defense still. I mean, Jeffrey Simmons is a fucking dog. That guy is a top That's five okay. defensive okay. tackle in the to NFL. To be fair, yes. Um, Kevin Byard hasn't really been the all-pro that he used to yeah, be. He's yeah. still one of the better safeties. Um, but, I mean, after that, man, it's it's a lot of young guys. Um, some guys I did like in the draft. I liked Christian Fulton out of LSU. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting comes over from Tampa Bay. I did like Roger McCreary as well out of Auburn. So you have some pieces there in the secondary. Um, I mean, it's not a bad defense, but it's just the fact that what we talked about on offense, like your game plan is going to be running the football, draining the clock, 
and just playing ball control, really. So you're putting a lot of stress on that defense if you're only going to be scoring, I don't know, 20, 21 points a game. You know what I mean? Probably even less than that if you don't have any real weapons on this team. It just feels very... And and again, I respect Frabel. I think he's a good coach. I'm just saying this mindset, this mentality in 2023, it feels a lot like Steve Adazio preaching to us week in, week out. No, this is going to work. Ground and pound, like smash mouth football. When we have seen the best coaches in the game completely shift their mentality. Nick Saban would have loved to have done ground and pound his entire career. Guess what? He had to go to the spread because that's the way the game works. And we're kind of there in the NFL too. Like, yes, you do have to be able to run the football. I believe that. Like, even with the Chiefs, some of these other teams, like, if you can't run the ball in the winter in key spots, it is going to come back to kill you. You also can't outscore some of these offenses when you're, you know, like going 17 points a game unless you have just an 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens, 2015 Broncos type defense. And I don't think they do. Exactly. And just the fact that, I mean, you can talk about running the ball and ground and pound all throughout, you know, December and January to try and get you on a run, but you got to win. Are you going to be playing by October, November? Exactly. You got to win before then you got to put yourself in position and how much juice does Derrick Henry have after, you know, you beat him down with three months straight of 30, 35 plus carries and, you know, Ryan Tannehill is still your starting quarterback, but maybe Levis gets in there and that's, I guess that's your best case scenario is Will Levis gets in there. He actually kind of looks the part and elevates this receiving core, but I can't even believe those words coming out of my mouth. As I say them, that just feels like such a stretch. No part of what Will Levis has shown so far leads me to think he's anywhere near being able to elevate an NFL offense. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong and and I'll own it. That's fine. But I watched a lot of him at Kentucky and I just, I, I don't see it. I get the arm. I get that he has some traits to like. I'm not saying like he's, you know, completely incompetent. But when you get talked about as, you know, a franchise saving quarterback, we're going to look at you a little bit harder. And I just, I haven't seen him ever since the hype came. I haven't seen it. I mean, shit, man. We've been telling the listeners, we know ball. We've been watching these guys for years. We go back and watch them every March and April um, when they go through this process. I mean, I feel like every time we talk about or talked about Will Levis, we were trying to talk ourselves into him. Like, you know, we were trying to stretch the good plays and, you know, minimize the bad plays a bit. But even then, like our true feelings kind of showed through. And I don't think anyone was really pounding the table for him at all throughout this entire process. Well, and I think you see with how this draft played out right now his floor is probably higher than Anthony Richardson's because he's not going to make some of those mistakes that Richardson made last year. But at the same time, like his ceiling is so drastically lower than, than Richardson's. I don't, I don't know how much better it gets from here for Levis. I guess that's what I'm saying. And at least you took him in the second round. Like you didn't take a top, take a top 10 pick on him. It's worth the ceiling is. You know what his ceiling is? His ceiling is Ryan Tannehill, the guy that you already have starting <laughs> at quarterback for your team. You're so right. You're so right. And he's got less mobility. Exactly. I, it's, I don't know, man. I mean, Vrabel's a hell of a coach. Um, I'm not trying to you know discredit him and his coaching ability because I feel like every year we kind of talk about the Titans and it's like, uh, like I don't know. They're frisky. You sudden, don't want to bet against them. Like They're, they're yeah, one of those teams that are frustrating four. as hell. Right. So, I mean... 
who knows? Uh, their variance is all over the chart here. Like I could see this team, you know, I don't want to say they're in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes because there are some really bad teams who are blatantly tanking cough, cough, Arizona, but they're going to be, you know, struggling. I could see this team really struggling. This Maybe year. they're in the Kyler Murray sweepstakes when it's all said and done. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's almost, if it doesn't work out this year, you're kind of into just like rebuilding. I mean, you got to get Levis on the field this year and see if you have something there uh, because the quicker you get through that process, the quicker you can kind of reset and get back on track. going to be interesting. What um, what grade would you give it? Because again, it's not a sexy draft, but you do land a good O-tack or offensive lineman. Um, I think he'll be a tackle, but we'll see. It could be a guard, Skaronsky mm-hmm. at 11, um, Levis at 33, better value, as I've said, than if you would have taken him in the first round, other than I guess you don't get that fifth year. I like Spears at 81. I think he's worth the risk, even though he's got a lot of of miles. And as I said, Duncan in the sixth, really good value there. I'd give it like a B minus. It's just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, I'd be talking myself into giving them a B minus. I guess I'd they did trade up game spots to get Levis, but I mean, at that point, it'd be worth it. I mean, yeah. I mean, moving around at the top of day two is, it's nothing to me. I mean, might as well go get your guy if that's what you really want at that point. But yeah, man, I'm about like a C plus. It's just, it doesn't do much for me. Like you get some guys to play this year. You know, Skoronsky is going to play this year. How much does Levis play this year? How much does Spears play this year? Because we just talked about Derrick Henry for the last 10 minutes. <laughs> That's a good point. As much as I like Spears, I think you probably need a pass catcher in that situation. I, I mean, you did get the tight end, the kid out of Cincinnati in the fifth, but in a, in a year where there were a lot of really intriguing tight end prospects, he wasn't really one that came to mind. Yeah, yeah. It's just, I can't get too excited about this. Great value pick on Jalen Duncan. You know, you did get some premium positions. You got two tackles, two offensive linemen, and a quarterback. But after that, you went running back tight end and a seventh round wide receiver out of Tennessee Martin. Well, I think your C plus is probably fair then, right? If C is technically average, I know that the connotation with a C is that it's like kind of mediocrity, but if C is average, slightly better than average, you hit the positional value, pretty good value on both tackles and your quarterback selection, but it's also not anything that's going to impress, you know, wow, this is the the best thing that we've seen. It just, it's fine. You satisfy the, the very minimum. Yeah, it's, um, I mean, there's just a, I mean, damn, man, even go back to Caleb Farley two years ago, you took him in the first round and we haven't seen much from him. I was going to say, has um, he even Harold played? Landry, I he, remember he had that, I can't remember what even his issue was that rookie year um, going through the draft and into camp. I don't remember seeing him do much. Uh, you got Elijah Molden. I think he's out of Washington, I believe, in 2020. Sounds right. Um, so a bunch of young guys. It's just, it's just so much projecting for this team. I'll say this. If they somehow sneak into a wild card spot this year, Mike Vrabel might need to be in the conversation for like top five coach in the league. Build a statue, bro. Build he might statue. already be in that conversation, to be honest. Off the top of my head, I don't think he is, but I, I'm they're not really setting him up greatly here. He might be on the market next year. I don't know what his contract situation is, but I mean someone's gonna fall on the sword for this roster if they don't perform. Man. Only Mariota had worked out. Where would the Titans be? <laughs> it is funny that oh, like a man. decade later, 
where we're at with Mariota and Winston, how much hype went into that. And now like they could not, I mean, granted it was like three, four years ago, even this was true, but could not factor less into the the NFL conversation. The two biggest players in college football, one, two in the draft, everybody's, they're going to duel for years, this and that. Actually. Yeah. Two, uh, two Heisman's too, right? I mean, yeah, it's, that's crazy. It's crazy, man. Well, we will be back. We'll have another podcast at some point this week, probably pretty soon. So actually, I mean, by the time you listen to this, it'll probably be out. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we shall see. Thank you to the sponsors. Thank you to the homies that continue to support the pod. You guys make our dreams come true. We're going to start getting into some college football preview stuff very soon. We do have a couple more divisions to wrap up on this post-draft series. But we're uh, less than 75 days to college football, man. I... I can't wait. I know Jake can't either. I'm going to start getting into the 2024 drafts. Two more divisions we got to go through, and then we look forward to another entire class, another entire season. I am hyped. I can't wait. Just ordered my Phil Steele preview. Going to get an Athlon preview pretty soon. I mean, it's it's that time of year, guys. We are about to be cooking. We're about to be in our bag. But uh, for right right now, excuse me, I'm just going to take a nap. So uh, much love, y'all. Peace. What would you say if I told you I'd be the greatest MC that there ever was? And what would you say if I told you that I could take a bunch of kids from the bottom and bring them to number one? And what would you say if I told you a nobody in the Brock and Bush sold out crowd? Damn, that shit is crazy. Probably never make it when you listening to that right now. I said we on now.